0: Welcome back to another episode of Around the 412. I am Tyler. With me, as always, is my co-host, Smitty. Still trying to get used to that new intro. It's interesting. I had to, like, psych myself up to come in for that. Um, But be sure to go follow us on all our social medias, Twitter, TikTok, Instagram. We have a Facebook. Go follow us there. And go subscribe to us on YouTube. Um, We hit the mark. I mean, we don't mind sharing this. We hit the mark to get monetized. So we're just going to try to open up and, and, and see if that happens, first off. But... It's you guys who watch the video, subscribe to us, share it, like the videos, leave comments on them and see what you see, what, uh, what you want to see, because, I mean, Smitty and I have to have some different ideas for what to post on YouTube now if we're going to get monetized. So we want to know what you guys would like to see from us. Um, also, uh, as always, we've got some links in our descriptions for the show on the listening platforms as well as over on YouTube. A couple GoFundMes, a couple, couple shirt shops as well. So go check those out in, in the description of the shows. Um, but I think that's it. The Golf outing was this yep. past Saturday that we had been talking about. So yep. do you have an update on how that went?
1: Uh, it went really well. Um, I'm not sure about the exact amount that was raised, um, but I can tell you there was 116 golfers, and it was $100 per person. Um, there was about two grand raised through the fifty-fifty. And then also the tickets, to, which by the way, the prizes were awesome too. Like we donated what we did. There were a lot of people that were like very complimentary of that and like the prizes that we had available and stuff. But there was like a signed McCutcheon jersey, a signed Latang jersey, a blackstone flat top grill, which I have, so like I know how sick those are. Uh yeah. handmade um cornhole boards, uh, a couple different golf club sets, like. Legit prizes, and it was an awesome event. So, um, great turnout. Like I said, 116 people golfed. There were obviously more people that were there than that. Um, I wasn't sure exactly what my role was going to be, and I didn't stop moving for most of the day, just kind of helping out. So, um, it was an awesome event. Thank you to everybody that that was part of it. And uh, like it says in the name, this is going to be an annual thing. So, I can't wait to see what year two looks like, and year three, year four, and well on down the line um had a great time and i know that that dalton was looking down smiling on the day so he 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 was making it rain a little bit earlier so his tears were coming down early in the day for how beautiful uh the event was but literally right before the event was set to start it stopped raining so that's awesome yeah um but yeah we can jump into it uh we're gonna start out with some steelers talk um it was, and we were making the joke earlier in the day, like going back and forth talking, like what are we even going to talk about today? Um, yeah. Just because there's not a whole lot to talk about. So I, I will say, and I, this is a wood desk, this might be a shorter episode and we say that and then we end up talking for like an hour anyway, which is probably what's going to happen for this one. Um, But let's just get into this. So the Steelers made some signings, also a visit, made a couple releases. We're going to get into all of that. Let's start out with the signings they made. First off, I think, let's just get into the one that right away, like jumped off the page because we all had kind of written it off as his Steelers career being over Mason Rudolph is back as QB three for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I don't know how anybody could be upset with this. Like you're talking about him coming back as a QB three, find me point to me where there is a better QB three option in the NFL. He's played in 17 games. He started 10 knows the offense like And he was a pro about the way things have gone down, like didn't really, you know, make a big stink about it. He just put his head down, went to work every day. People talk about how, you know, he's always early to practice. He's always throwing extra footballs after practice with guys. How can you possibly be upset about a move for a quarterback three, especially when it's a guy that's already been here, knows the offense and by all accounts is a a pretty good guy. So I don't even know what to say about other than that.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's good, and I, I don't want to like pat my own back a little bit, but I do believe that after the season ended, I was saying Mason Rudolph was one that I would actually consider bringing back because of the familiarity with the position and familiarity yeah. with the player and the, the organization fit. And I, I just think it's a low-risk move, and, and it's smart to have that insurance policy. Obviously, if you're getting down to your quarterback three you're in a bad place anyway. But I would rather it be a guy like Mason Rudolph who's been in the offense, in the organization, and they're both comfortable with each other. Now, like like we're saying, this is low risk. He's a quarterback three. It's a one-year deal. It, it really is, is is like nothing to the it's Steelers so in a sense. A
1: topic. Yeah,
0: yeah it, it, but I, I think it was a smart move because it's just more security at the position with a guy that has started games for the Steelers and it's been in the organization for quite a while now. So I, I, I think it was a smart move. It was a surprising move, but uh, I, I I do think that I want to pat myself on the back a little bit because it's a move that I said I would make back when we talked about it in, I think January. Yeah.
1: I want to ask a question, not trying to take away from that because I do remember that conversation. Was that with the assumption though, that they would be moving on for Mitch Trubisky?
0: So Mason would be QB two? It probably was because I we were probably talking at the time and I would still think now, I mean, Mitch seems to be like he's not going anywhere and he's going to be QB2 in Pittsburgh. But at the time, mm-hmm. it, it didn't really seem to make sense. Why would you keep him around, especially with the cap hit? But when you look at like what Kenny's making, and I'm assuming, do we have a dollar figure on what Mason's making I, on this contract? Uh,
1: I mean, I could look at it now that actually the team did announce it, possibly.
0: Okay, but like, there's not a lot of money going out in the quarterback room. So like, even though Mitch is going to cost like $10 million for a backup, it is what it is whenever Kenny's making nothing still on that rookie deal. And I'm assuming Mason is probably only making like a couple million dollars. Um, But yeah, that would have been under the assumption that he would have been QB2. But I think that honestly it makes it even better that he's QB3. And that's why I, I think I like this move and a lot of people might not like it just because they look at the name and it's like a, a, a knee jerk reaction to dislike Mason Rudolph. But honestly, like I just don't see really how it hurts your team at all.
1: Right. Uh, the dollars are not released on that yet. Um, it but can't be a lot making- of money though. Yeah, right. Like the la he signed that one year five million dollar contract for last season. I think that was more I-, I don't think it's gonna even be that high. Like I think that was an insurance policy in case they didn't get somebody else. They obviously ended up getting mentioned free agency and then drafting Kenny. It is wild though they're gonna have the same quarterback room. Like after all this smoke, like everybody yeah. thinking that at least one of those guys is gonna be out of town. Maybe the other one is as back as the backup, but really thinking they might reshape the entire room after Kenny just because of guys wanting to move on. Um, and here they are running the back with the same QB room. I thought there was like two ways they could go about it. When you're looking at a QB three, it's either this route that they went with Mason Rudolph, the f- familiarity with the system, a guy that you would be comfortable with. Like if it worst case scenario, he had to play or you go the developmental route. Like if Malik Willis were to become available already with Tennessee, letting go of him or something like that. Like those are the two routes they could go. How, they how, the-
0: how funny would that be? <laughs> yeah. The Steelers ended up with Malik Willis. I mean, it was a legit conversation though.
1: I, I don't think so now with Mason being back, but yeah. like I I think that it would have made sense if, if Tennessee was really good, which made no sense for them to move on, by the way. 34-year-old Ryan Tannehill, a second round pick and Will Levis, obviously, but like you're got a rookie that was drafted in the third round. Like he's making pennies right now. What is the point of throwing him away after one season where you it's threw really- him into the worst possible situation? That's their situation to deal with. I don't really care. The Titans stink, but I'm just very surprised that that was even a conversation.
0: Yeah, and I mean the Steelers did bring in a couple of guys, one of them being my guy Jaron Hall on one of their official visits for for the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, and so I wonder if the Steelers looked at the draft and is like, if somebody makes it to round seven that we like, we will we will take a them lot then. more quarterbacks that drafted before. There were 13 fun. quarterback or no, yeah. 14 quarterbacks taken this season. So maybe that was the thing that the tipping point for okay, we can't get one of the guys in the draft that we were looking at let's just go with who we're familiar with because there's not, not else out there in free agency.
1: They did bring in Tanner Morgan, former Minnesota quarterback as well to be like a a camp body. I guess it looks like maybe he would be the QB three because it was basically like spending the seventh round pick on a guy to get him uh, and bring him in for rookie mini camp and stuff. But, um, yeah, we'll see what his future holds. I, I mean that's probably you know, your your guy that you go into camp with as the fourth guy, and then your practice squad quarterback. I will say the one thing that you are lacking then really is that guy to emulate, you know, the Lamar Jackson's and and now Anthony Richardson's uh of the league and stuff, Jalen Hurts, like those types of running backs, uh running backs, those types of quarterbacks, uh Josh Allen, those those types of guys that well, luckily that aren't on the Steelers schedule other than Lamar Jackson this
0: year. Um but they're just I gonna have George the, Pickens line up at Wildcat, hey, and then that's how they're gonna emulate it.
1: He he would probably be very cool with that too, because it just seems like he wants to do. He did have a rushing touchdown last year against the Saints.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's that's how they can do it. I mean, Deontay, I'm, go- I'm gonna
1: clip that. I'm gonna clip that and send that to Richie. By the way, me accidentally say like that wasn't even on purpose either. I literally literally accidentally said running back there.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I I, I think that's how they could emulate it. Yeah. For a for a for a non quarterback. Just throw one of the widest. I mean, that's kind of what honestly, you want to know what we did at, at Beaver High School? That's what we did. Is if we were playing a team, like if we were playing like Quip or Beaver Falls, somebody that had like a shifty quarterback, mm-hmm. we would take a guy who played running back and line him up at quarterback in, in, in our scout team because we needed to emulate what we were going to be playing against. Yeah. I mean that's shout out to Julian Van Huesen. He he played he played our scout team shifty quarterback all of my senior year.
1: If I'm looking at the Steelers schedule, um, yeah, like the Lamar in week five is like the first one that's like a really mobile guy. Uh, Lawrence can move around a little bit. They play Um, Richardson.
0: Well, assuming he's still they do play Richardson week
1: fifteen. Yeah, Uh, I don't know if Kyler Kyler could be back by week thirteen
0: kyler kyler is so interesting to me because i know it's like reported that he could miss half the season but i could just see kyler sitting out in majority of the season if he even though he could technically come back well, they'd maybe one of the worst could, teams yeah like what would be the i point, could just see you know, them like milking that and just saying yeah. "Nah, you're good and
1: also though like this is a legit conversation not that we're a cardinals podcast but if they are bad enough and they're picky at the top of the draft do you pass up on Caleb Williams because you have Kyler Murray in house right now who hasn't really shown you you've committed money to him, but he hasn't no. really shown to be that player. That's worth that money.
0: No, I don't pass up on him.
1: I think, yeah, there's, I think he that.
0: I, I mean, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be honest. I, there, there's very few quarterbacks in the league that I would probably pass up that one, one for, because if, of how good prospect it could
1: I, be. All right, well, now, now you're putting yourself in a bad spot with this being a, with a, a Steelers podcast. If the Steelers were so bad next year that they had the first overall pick.
0: I'm taking Caleb Williams. And, Williams. I, and I, I I, I, don't... I, This might be harsh, but I think you're dumb if you're not. You just look at the ceiling of the prospects. I love Kenny. But if I'm looking at the ceiling of the prospects, I'm thinking Caleb Williams every single time
1: yeah well, and it's also like, okay, it, like barring it it being an injury to Kenny, how did they get the first overall pick like chances are that would have been Rudolph Kenny ended was, up being the starter <laughs> well, I'm saying chances are though it meant Kenny was so bad in year two that yeah. that's how they got the number one pick so but man people are going to hate this conversation. So let's move on from this. This all started because of the Steelers <laughs> re-signing Mason Rudolph. Uh, another one very interesting here is Hakeem Butler, a name back going back to 2019, very highly regarded within that wide receiver class that year that came out, uh, standout in the XFL after having – Uh, You know, obviously not the greatest success in his first NFL stint, but man, huge bodied receiver out of Iowa state. This is very interesting to me. The one thing that stinks so far is right now wearing number 21. Hopefully that would change if he makes the actual team (laughs) that can't stick. Um, But Hakeem Butler is a very intriguing prospect to me. I can't wait to watch this guy in training camp. I mean, six, I think he's listed as if he's not six, six, he's literally a shade under like six, five plus six, five, uh, yeah.
0: Like listed at 65.
1: Yeah. Um but massive bodied receiver. I can't wait to see this guy go up against like Joey Porter Jr. and stuff in training camp. Um I do think that the, he he has like a legit shot of making this team out of tra- like because from what I've seen and like tr- talking with a couple other people that cover other teams there was more than just the Steelers interested in signing him. Like I think that he chose to come to Pittsburgh over a few other spots, so I think he's got to feel like he's got a legit shot of making this fifty-three man roster. Yeah,
0: and then I think you look at the build that he has—very unique build. How big and long he is—that's something that the Steelers don't really have a lot of on their roster. I mean, who's the, who's the Steelers' biggest receiver in terms of overall size and length, not just tall? Because I know, I know, like. Uh, like George Pickens is probably the biggest receiver when it comes to the combination of like weight and height. And even yeah, then, Boykin. <laughs> well, Miles Boykin. But how much does he weigh? That's what I'm asking. Yeah, I. Because Miles Boykin like. is probably like what six four, six five, but he weighs 170 pounds. So Hakeem Hakeem is I think six five, and I was looking at it today. He's listed at like two twenty. Oh, Miles Boykin six
1: four two twenty. There's no way. There's no that's way. What he's, that's what he's looking at.
0: Dude's a twig. There's, <laughs> there's no way. Okay. i well, I apologize, Miles Boykin. Um, but I would still consider George Pickens as probably your like biggest in terms of height and weight to ratio, because I don't believe that Miles Boykin listing one second. Um, but I just think this this guy brings something that you don't have, except for outside of the tight end position, and that's the just pure size at the position. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I think he's Chase Claypool. There it there is. <laughs> there it is. Um, but no, I was super high on Hakeem Butler coming out in 2019. And um, obviously, things haven't panned out that way for him yet. Just needed a restart maybe in the XFL. And it would be awesome for this receiving room if he is, you know anything like what it seemed like he was going to be as a prospect when he was coming out. Uh, And then finally another XFL standout and Luke Barku um, who also had a run in the NFL before going and playing in the XFL was part of the XFL all defense big cornerback out of San Diego state. Six one, but really, really long wingspan. So he's like a super long corner, not like as long as Joey Porter Jr. But again, when you look at what the Steelers have prioritized in their cornerbacks recently with Joey Porter Jr. with Corey Trice, now Luke Bartu. Clearly they're trying to find some length at the position. Um, this'll this is an interesting one to me because I don't think it's as I don't feel as confident about him making the roster necessarily. Um, but they did just release and we'll get into this more, but Akela Witherspoon, obviously, we saw them release Millette. Like there's gonna be open spots there. I think you look at obviously Peterson, Levi Wallace, and Joey Porter Jr. as like the three locks to make the 53. I think Corey Trice is probably pretty close to that too, even though he's a seventh round pick. And then you got like special teams is going to be where guys make this roster between like James Pierre and Luke Bartu. So I think he's gonna have a shot. I just don't feel as confident as Hakeem Butler. But I I don't mind them throwing this dart at all. I think that he deserves a second chance. Only still twenty-four years old. And like I said, with that length at that that position, teams are always chasing that. So
0: I'm gonna keep it a buck. Yes. I had to Google this dude. Because I looked at fair. Like I mean, I I looked at the name, I'm like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I I genuinely didn't know. Um so I can't really say much about him, but that's cool that he was all defense in the XFL. And that, that is something that's curious, like that he is like long lengthy at the cornerback position and looking at the guys that we've brought in that you're right. That seems like a trend for the Steelers. I wonder if that is a, is an Austin sort of um, philosophy that he wants to change the, to that in the cornerback room or is like Tomlin having more influence on that? Like I'm, I'm curious where that, that thought process is coming from within the Steelers organization because I feel like you look at the guys. There's a clear turnover of what is changing at the corners. But yeah, I, I had to Google this dude. I'm not even going to lie. I, I looked at the name, I saw the update, and I was like, "Who is this? This dude look. This name looks like a guy that plays cricket at 3 a.m. on ESPN. <laughs> I have no idea who this is." No, like I said, I think that that's I think that's fair.
1: Um, but I, I, I'm excited to see him come in and compete too again. These guys that go to the XFL, it's a great opportunity for them to find their way back to the NFL, and hopefully that's the way that this is going to continue to be for them. Um, So, yeah, we'll see about the futures of Team Butler and Luke Barku We will also see if uh, Quan Alexander ends up becoming a Pittsburgh Steeler or not. He was in visiting a couple of days ago. So now that we are a couple of days out from that being the case, and maybe, you know, that's another Steelers old regime thing that we'll be able to throw out the window as time goes on. But typically, if a guy comes in for a visit and then leaves, that's it. Like we don't hear from that again there's no chance of a deal being signed maybe that's not going to be the case with this front office who knows but Quan Alexander when I saw that he was visiting I actually got super excited I was surprised that he was still on the market at this point I do I was actually told by somebody that he does have an offer on the table from the Jets so it's like he's still he's kind of just like going around seeing what else is out there Um maybe the Steelers did make an offer and he just, he left. And once again, he's like either pondering it because he already has this offer on the table from the jets and he's weighing the options. Maybe he's making more visits. I don't know. Um, but I got super excited because last year with the jets, he kind of played in a different, by the way, still 28, just 28, which is crazy. Cause it seems like he's been playing so long. Um,
0: he yeah. has been, um, he's, he's been in the league since 2015.
1: Yeah. So what he would have been 21 or so. Yeah. 21. 21. As a rookie? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is crazy. The first, when I did introduced to him the game that he had after his brother passed away. That was like my first, you know, memory of Quan Alexander as a player. So obviously, you just immediately root for that guy from that point going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, I'm super, I was super excited when I saw that he was coming in for a visit just because he is, he played limited snaps last year for the Jets comparative to the rest of his career. Less than 600 snaps last year, but played about 130 or so in the slot. Uh, matching up with tight ends and stuff. So he would offer some coverage in that linebacker room. I just think, you know, as an off-ball linebacker, when you talk about what else are we going to have behind Cole Holcomb and even like I he might be a better option than a Landon Roberts, I think even different type of player, obviously. But I would love to add a player that has that skill set that he would bring to this roster right now. And all of a sudden I'd feel a lot more comfortable about this team. And then I'm just like, okay, figure out what's going on at slot corner and i'm good with this roster
0: yeah no i agree i i think this is a guy that i would love to bring in because you look at the linebackers and i mean next man up is mark robinson which which i'm, I'm okay with he played good and in, in, in it some might actually be on
1: o'neill because he's primarily a
0: linebacker now anyway okay your, yeah yeah but anyway i the the depth isn't there at middle linebacker and, and I think that's one area on the defense that they could definitely improve upon. Um, because there is such a big turnover from last year, Mark Robinson is one of the only guys that is a, a, a stake from last year. Everybody else that had significant snaps is gone. So I think when you guy, have a guy that has a lot of experience, like he does, like Quan Alexander does, I think that mm-hmm. could be valuable to bring in, even if he doesn't start, even if he doesn't play a ton, but just for the linebacker room in general, a nice depth piece, a, a good mentor for some of these linebackers as well. And I, like you said, I think he can bring in a, a, a uh, ability that not a lot of the linebackers currently on the Steelers have. And so I, I think that it would be good for the defense overall because when I look at the, the, the positions of need still on the defense, is still circled for me for somewhere where I would like to improve upon. Mm-hmm. Both yeah, of them, actually, edge edge and well, and inside linebacker.
1: I was about to say, another name that they've been linked to, I, he hasn't visited the team. Don't know if the team or the player are actually interested in this, but they were named as the best possible landing spot for Kyle Van Noy, your boy from BYU. Um, now, that's a guy that would offer, obviously, the off-ball flexibility, also can rush the passer a little bit, too has some familiarity. His teammate with the Chargers, Braden Fajoko, on the team now, they actually had a Twitter exchange that people thought potentially could be related to playing for the Steelers. It was actually about Jason Tatum during a Celtics 76ers game. (laughs) Um, But that was interesting to see people like going crazy and me just knowing exactly what it was about because he said something about like having that mama mentality. Jason Tatum always talks about that. That game was going on at that time, so I kind of was able to connect the thoughts. But... Kyle Van Noy would be an awesome ad and kind of like that two in one. Like, yeah, that probably eliminates the, the Quan Alexander from the equation, but that might be the case already. Um, mm-hmm. I briefly brought up Kyle Van Noy last week when Daniel was on here, but we really didn't touch on the idea of it at all. But man, like sign me up for that because you're killing two birds with one stone in terms of roster needs.
0: I would love it. I would. Omar Khan, if you ever, <laughs> I, I wouldn't need, I would never ask for anything ever again. If you bring in a guy from BYU and not only a guy from BYU, but a guy from BYU that can be productive. I yeah. will never ask you for anything again. Yeah. He's like this 32, this, but he, he this, gets this boy. week, this week, I'll never ask you for anything again this week because I was <laughs> definitely going to have asks throughout your tenure as GM, yeah. but Jaron Hall hits free agency. Listen, I, I have been a patient Steelers fan. That is also a BYU fan. You get, you threw me a bone last year and get drafted. Kenny Pickett. now, throw me a bone and get me my, my BYU itch out of the way. I I think it's a smart move. I, I, and like you said, that brings versatility where he could play inside and outside. It's a good depth piece to have. I mean, just like Alexander, I think I'd prefer Kyle van Noy unbiasedly. Um, but I, I do think that that, that would be a smart move. Um, You know?
1: Yeah, I would take either one, but if if it were just like, okay, you can pick one to add to the team, I'm picking Van Noy just because of his ability to rush the pass or two.
0: Yeah. I mean, like we've we've asked this before. One of your top two go down, what are you doing at that position? Like who's who is your next man up? Is it gonna be Herbig already? Like we've talked about we don't even think he could play it. He might not even be playing edge and he could be playing off ball. He might be the next man up on the inside. So Mm
1: Who the knows? Marvin Leal was, like, strictly an edge rusher last year, so who knows?
0: Yeah, because he's be. just kind of a tweener. You don't know what to do with him.
1: Yeah. I I, I don't know what the answer is there, but, yeah, that's something that certainly – and <clears throat> I still feel like – I mean, every team's going to do it. We're going to see, you know, as rosters get cut down and stuff, especially now that it's just, like, that hard cut from 90 to 50. Like, you don't have these these yeah. days anymore. It's just mm-hmm. bam. You got to have your roster 53 guys. There is going to be a huge, huge influx of guys that are all of a sudden free agents that you wouldn't expect to be. And uh, I I think that the Steelers could look there for at least one of the spots that we talked about. So um, that just makes it tougher because you're asking a guy to learn a a brand new playbook within that amount of time. But, you know, these guys are all pros. They're smart guys. They'll be able to do it. So um, speaking of releases, though, a couple happening before we even get to that point of camp or anything like that. Uh, Arthur Millette and Witherspoon, Akella Witherspoon, both released over the last week. Uh, different situations. Millette asked to be released because they couldn't come to an agreement on a restructured contract. It sounds like he was looking for more money. The Steelers really didn't value him that way. I can't blame them. He is—he's a nice piece to have, but he's a very limited player. Um, you're asking him to, he's a slot corner that really can't cover. So you're asking him to play around the line of scrimmage, (laughs) uh, help out in the run game. Obviously maybe every once in a while, like send him on a blitz, like very Mike Hilton, like from that aspect in terms of his ability to contribute in the run game. But again, not much in coverage. And we saw teams take advantage of that all last season. Um, and then the Witherspoon one, there's no, but like cornerback can be be a very hot and cold position in general. But, man, he is the definition of hot and cold. Like, the way that he finished 2021, dude looked like a top 10 corner that last you know month and a half or so. We were excited
0: about bringing him back to, yeah. to be a starting corner in 2022. Yeah. And Absolutely. then he fell off a cliff.
1: He was bad and he was hurt. Not a great combination. Uh, so the move saves them $4 million, like a $1.5 million dead cat hit or something like that. Still, this move always made sense to do. Um, I know a lot of people, I guess I'm kind of surprised by the fact that he didn't even get to camp. Um, I thought maybe he would compete for something there, like even if it's just like Talking a about Witherspoon? On the boundary. Witherspoon, that is like Millet, that's a totally different scenario. Like I said, if he's looking for a raise, you know, all the power to him, go out on the, the market and try to see what you can get. Never going to hold it against a guy trying to get his money. I just, if I'm Pittsburgh, I have no problem with him not paying him more than that either um, for the, what he did bring to the team. In Witherspoon's case, yeah, like I thought maybe he would come in and compete for, you know, a reserve role on the boundary or something like that. I, I wouldn't mind having a guy like that with that type of upside as a backup. I don't think that you can trust him after last year necessarily to just throw out there and start. But in a reserve role like, you know, break glass in case of emergency, I wouldn't have minded him being on the roster. But it makes sense that they were ready to move on after last season, after bringing in a couple of different corners that kind of fit that profile. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. What your take on it is. It's just, I again, think it gives more of a path for Corey Trice Jr. to open up on the 53-man as opposed to the practice squad, and that was really my main takeaway.
0: Yeah, the Millette one, that's not surprising to me. I didn't really see how he had a, had a fit with the team that much in general. The Witherspoon one, it's not surprising that he is cut. It's surprising when he's cut to me, kind of like what you were saying. We thought I thought it would be sometime during the summer, but it ended up being in May. And that was just more the timing of it was a little surprising, which is why I want to ask you, do do you think that, I mean, looking at the positions that were just cut slot corner and outside boundary corner, Mm -hmm. what you have been talking about with how they could deploy like Patrick Peterson and Joey Porter jr. To have him start right away. Do you Mm -hmm. think this not necessarily confirms it, but do you think this is like helping your idea of like Peterson (sighs) going into the inside and Joey Porter jr. Starting on the outside from day one?
1: I'm actually worried that there's a level of confidence there with Chandon Sullivan, who they brought in from Minnesota, who's going to play slot. That is how I'm honestly viewing it. I also think that there's a shot that we could see, see KZ kind of taking on that role. and Maybe like in that case, you see either Trey Norwood or, or Trey Norwood or Keanu Neal on the field kind of taking that other safety role. Um, there's there's a lot of different things that they could do. Trey Norwood might end up being an option at slot corner. I don't know. Uh, Not that he's really shown a whole lot, but he's had flashes. I'm, yeah, I don't know that it, it necessarily, I feel better about my point in their best deployment being Peterson on the inside. I think it's more a level of confidence they have that I just don't, or there's another move coming or something like that that I'm just not seeing. As far as the timings of the releases, it is odd, but I think it's more about the Steelers doing business the right way for the players and giving them more time to go out and seek another opportunity, as opposed to, again, waiting for these guys like when they have to cut them at 53 and then you're throwing them into the fire to go find another job and learn a new playbook. Like this is giving them an opportunity to still be part of like, this is still like that second and third wave of free agency. It's obviously not early in the process, but it's still where they can latch on to a roster before training camp starts and be part of the entire thing.
0: Yeah, no, I get that. And Shannon Sullivan, he's the starting corner. Here's my question uh, to the Steelers coaching staff. Did you watch the Minnesota <laughs> pass defense last year? I
1: Yeah, and they went out. And,
0: and, and, and I'm they got on, two I'm of fully them. They got,
1: yeah, I'm fully on board with Patrick Peterson, <laughs> but they went out and got two members of that
0: defense, which is hilarious. I mean, maybe they're watching. Maybe they watched the 2021 tape by accident. I don't know. Yeah, because
1: I'm not. I, I don't I don't see it like I've, I've I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt and I understand like maybe playing in a new system it could be different I just don't think it translates I I was not I mean, at that watching point, him and not just his times
0: if Channing Sullivan's gonna be your slot I don't think that you were necessarily that much worse off with Arthur Millett being your slot because at least Millett adds into the run game oh no more than Su- Sullivan would have yeah and I understand no, the, I, the, mon- I, the money I, issue. But yeah. it's just there. There wouldn't be really any drop off between the two in the pass game, and there'd be more in the let, in the run game. Ten Sullivan would not mm-hmm. be a good option on the inside. <laughs> and this is right. this is where I am missing Cam Sutton, to be completely honest.
1: That and also like I, I don't get me wrong, really like Herbig as a player. Didn't mind the pick, but if that pick were Clark Phillips, I'm not complaining, and I feel better about the the how the roster looks overall.
0: Yeah. I was I was the leader of that train. I talked about Clark, Clark Phillips during last college football season on this podcast, yeah. and yeah. we were almost there at pick one <laughs> one. What would he end up having in that round one thirty two? Yeah, but he went at like one seventeen or one thirteen. Oh, I want I wonder, like I wonder if my I, heart.
1: I don't know that they would have done it anyway. I, I feel like Herbig was the guy
0: for them in fourth in the fourth round. They love brothers. Yeah. I mean, they love brothers enough that they literally put out a video of Tom explaining why he loves brothers.
1: Yeah. Which was, which was really cool, but yeah. And again, I like Herbig as a player. I thought that was a good pick. It's just, if you land a true slot corner that I feel really good about plug and play there in that spot instead, like this roster just looks a lot better to me. Now I'm really questioning again. Like, is it, is it Shannon Sullivan or is it, peterson moving back into that spot after playing like a total of 20 snaps or something like that over the last two seasons in the slot it's just either way it's gonna be yeah um and then the last thing i wanted to ask you about steelers wise was you know this is kind of a stupid question people we talked about how wild it is it just shows how much the nfl is king that people get so excited for the schedule release and don't get me wrong i i am one of those people just because like I like to start playing. You know,
0: we know the opponents.
1: <laughs> right. But if you've ever seen the movie Fever Pitch with uh, Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, how like he has his friends come over and they like pick their games out and they like make plans for what they're going to be doing for all these. And that's obviously 81 as opposed to eight or nine for the Steelers. But the allure of Dewey, La- like I-, I don't think I'll ever be able to under- like express to people what how like how much I love Steelers Sundays and just the weekend leading up to them home games in general when I got friends coming in that maybe don't even live in pittsburgh and we go out on Friday or Saturday and then go to the game on sunday like it's it's an experience and I absolutely love football season He's doing a season, all season ticket
0: holder by the way so, yeah casual casual like season ticket holder um
1: but it's 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 a huge part of my life and that's what so I look forward to the schedule coming out because that means now we start planning it. So that for me is personally why I love that. Uh, oh, also by the way, broke some of the games. No big deal. I was the first yeah. one to put out. NBD. Yeah. Um, but uh, where was I going with this? Oh, no, no. I was going to ask when brag. the schedule when the schedule came out and you saw it. Was there anything that jumped off the page to you? I don't want to spoil it and say like what what I was thinking, my original thoughts. But was there anything that jumped off the page to you about the schedule? Whether it was at like time slots. Or you know a certain amount of games in a row away or home or anything like who they're opening
0: up with in San Fran. Okay, there's a couple things actually, a few things that that jumped off the page. Number one, they're opening at home for yes. the first time since 2014. It's it has been has been a long time, and I I don't really is there an explanation why that is the case?
1: the The parking situation, like the Pirates have been ho- like,
0: what it oh, might be crazy really to say it. that the Pirates are taking yeah.
1: Because they they share leasing for the parking lots and and stuff. So
0: does 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 the league know how many people go to Pirates games? <laughs> I'm pretty sure both. Yeah, they th- be able to st- the I'm the NFL sure like you can still go to the Pirate game and the Steeler game, and the parking situation would probably be fine. Well, think
1: about it though. Even like now, this isn't because of the Pirates; it's because of the away team that's coming here. But they play on Monday Night Week too because if they were playing on Sunday, the Yankees are in town mm. playing the Pirates.
0: Okay. Well, it, at least that's a team that could travel and is going to yeah. get fans from anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so San Francisco week one at home, that stuck out to me. Another thing that stuck out, early bye week. Y- you yeah. get a bye week in week six, which mm-hmm. um, I feel like we, we've had later bye weeks in the past I, several seasons.
1: At least two players are very upset with the bye and other stuff that I'm going to see if you bring up. If not,
0: I will. Okay. Um. So... There's a three game home stretch. Yeah. Which well, that's, I, yeah, I find that <laughs> I, I, I just feel like is is unique. I don't really, you're, yeah. Like, I, I don't know. I haven't gone to a lot of Steeler games in my entire life, but you have. So, mm-hmm. can you think that's yeah, never of, happened? It's never happened. It's never happened ever?
1: Not with the Steelers. Okay. I don't think.
0: Cause, Cause that just seemed very odd to me. And even that whole stretch, you're playing five home games in seven games. I mean, that's that just seems like a lot. Um, which, which stuck out. And then the other thing, it didn't stick out in terms of like just immediately, but I looked it up just because I was curious. But 12 of the games are going to be played on grass, which I think is a good thing for the Steelers. They only have five turf games and they're all spread out. There's none back to back. Yeah. Um,
1: the thing that stood out to me right away was hosting two Thursday night games that are five weeks apart. And that was the other thing that players were not oh, happy about.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That didn't jump off the page where I did see a lot of people complaining about that, which I yeah. fully understand. Actually,
1: I know of three that aren't happy about that. If you include Patrick Peterson openly talking about it on his podcast, but two other players uh, yeah. that I've that I've that have either received a message from or saw a message from are very upset with the way that the schedule shook out in terms of the bye week and the two Thursday games being five. We- First off, they hate playing on Thursday night football in general. It's just not good for your bodies after playing on Sunday, and then to have to do that twice in a five week span is is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I will say the only benefit here, and the players don't. I don't know that they care about this, but it's like. Okay, after that game though, you have almost a mini buy with how much time you have after that Thursday game ends. But that Mm -hmm. Sunday to Thursday having to do that twice, and within that short period of time that they are apart, weeks nine and week fourteen, that's that's brutal. New England or Tennessee and then New England.
0: Yep, betting the under in both those games. Um, (laughs) Another thing that's the last thing that stuck out stuck out to me: they're not playing on any major holiday. Yeah, which I think is a good thing.
1: Well, it, it is, but I, I think you and I, it would have been cool if they did play on Thanksgiving for something yeah. that we were talking about, but
0: yeah, yeah, they do not. Good for the players, though. They, yeah. they, I mean, I'm I feel ha- like, sure they're happy about Whether it. it's Christmas or Thanksgiving, they've played several games of the pa- over the past few seasons on ma- a major holiday. So, mm-hmm. The like one
1: thing you know. I thought was interesting to hear Patrick Peterson say was he was kind of hoping they had an international game. He likes playing in them.
0: I mean, he played Steelers in London would... last year. I feel like if the Steelers had an international game, it'd be Mexico. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm.
1: It seems like Tampa kind of has the whole Germany thing at this point, and yeah. Jacksonville's London's team. So yeah, pretty much. We're but... just, we're
0: just waiting for the move. Yeah,
1: between the Raiders or Steelers, may- maybe the Niners as well. Like.
0: You you could see those three hosting oh, games it, in Mexico. It'd definitely be Raiders or Steelers, and that'd be yeah, sold out. That would be. And that would no, be ama- no American would get a ticket.
1: I would hope. <laughs> I mean, at, as a as a fan, like watching, it would be awesome. I would hope that the Steelers didn't lose a home game from it. It would be cool. It would be cooler, and I would be more on board with it if it was considered a Raiders home game.
0: If that ever happened. Well, that's why I don't. And granted, I'm never going to go to one, so I don't care how it is i'm going to watch it on tv anyway but mm-hmm. i don't prefer foreign games i would rather just be home or away and that's, kind of, that's and just to wrap things up that's kind of how I, I wrap things up with football that's kind of how i view college football too i don't like neutral site games i i think college football should be played on campus either home or away Unless you are like Pitt or USF where you play at an NFL team, but either way, it should be at a home game or an away game. I don't don't like neutral site games. I don't really. I think the same way with like foreign games. Like it's cool that foreign fans get to experience that, but as far as just like the game itself, like I I just don't really care. I to me, it's it's really no difference because I'm watching on TV. But I prefer it just being home or away, not not in Mexico or Germany or wherever.
1: Yeah. I I hear you. Um, all right, but we are actually what I'm going to do, and this is I'm going to start doing this instead, just to be able to break up the show, so you guys know when we're switching segments, and it's just, not just me talking. I'm going to play the same thing that we have as our intro clip to end this segment, and then we'll be right back to talk about some pirates baseball, which I know you guys are looking forward to hearing about. So stay right here. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to around the 412. I'm Smitty. That's Tyler. The Pittsburgh pirates broke out in a big way on Wednesday afternoon against the Detroit Tigers scoring eight runs in an eight, nothing victory. Rich Hill was fantastic on the mound. Obviously the bats kind of broke out in a big way. Like I said, Rodolfo Castro getting back into the starting lineup, leading the charge. Uh, But it hasn't been a good May in general. I mean, they scored eight runs in this game. It seemed like they had scored eight runs in total leading up to that in the month of May. Um, That's obviously an exaggeration, but seriously, they were averaging about a run and a half per game up until that point. Uh, It's been a tough month after a really good April. And it's just, we talked about it last week. They're probably, they're clearly not as good as they were when they started out 20 and 8. It's hard to believe that they could be this bad. They're probably somewhere closer into between those two. Um, It's just really hard to pinpoint where this team is. And it's frustrating that it doesn't seem like there's much urgency to help out what is currently on this roster with guys that are like legit potential pieces of the future from the minor leagues. I mean, you're bringing up guys like Chris Owings and Josh Palacios to help. Like, those are your solutions who? This roster right now. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to to discredit, like he was tearing it up in AAA, but he's a 27 year old non-prospect who was taken in the minor league portion of the roll five draft. Like what is the, what is the hope there? Like, I, I just, I don't understand where, this, this organization is just lacking an identity in my opinion. Like what, what do you want to be this year? Like if the goal was to compete, show it, you started out great this year and I, and you had a lot of people buying into, okay, maybe they are already there. Maybe it, it isn't going to take until 2024. Like we thought, maybe they're ahead of schedule and then you fall off the cliff the way that they did. And I know the O'Neill cruise injury was going to impact things, but whose fault is it that they were only rostering one actual major league shortstop? Like now you have guys, either Chris Owings who can't hit his weight, but is good defensively, or, you know, uh, Tucapita Marcano, who I like as a player, but doesn't have the arm to play it short or Rodolfo Castro, who can't defend there. g Bay can't defend there. No matter what, you don't have a good solution there because you didn't roster more than one major league shortstop. And also, a huge gripe that I have, I, I'm back on the train, and I, not that I ever like got off of it, but I'm 100% back on the train of the Pirates having the worst hitting coach in Major League Baseball and Andy Haynes. Don't know why he was hired with the work that he did with the Cubs and, and Brewers prior to that, um, but it's easy to be the hitting coach when things are going well like they were at the beginning of the year. When things get rough and guys are start start searching for answers and need to make adjustments, that's when you show how good of a hitting coach you are. This entire lineup has been in a slump. Where is the answers? Who does that fall on? There needs to be some accountability here. And also, is it just a coincidence that this team just completely fell off
0: after Shelton got his extension? <laughs> that's true. That's true. In the month of May, the Pirates are 2-11. And, and if you want to extend that out to the last game of April, they are 2 and 12. Um, we, we've said it on the past couple shows during the win? month of May. Wait, no, wait, is it the two wins were? Um, well, they won today, the, yeah. The, the, or, okay, so no, no, so it was a third, and, one. The three and 11, three and yeah. 11. I wasn't including today, um, yeah, because I
1: wouldn't just say about the other like Mitch Keller's dominance is really what the only reason they yeah, won this. Yeah, their other,
0: other two wins were Baltimore, Colorado, or, and yeah, Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's it's frustrating from a point of like, so you, you do all these things like Brian Reynolds gets ascended when you're playing good, which should have happened anyway. either way, but it happened. Derek Shelton gets an extension. But then as soon as you fall off the cliff and you're playing poorly, nothing is happening from management. I'm not saying they need to fire people necessarily, but not, even roster moves aren't it's like hush silent and what i I don't get it are they really just trying to buy time until june to bring people up because if that's the excuse that's a damn bad one because you have both
1: yeah they're not serious
0: they're not they're a very unserious program um but you have Andy rodriguez and henry davis crushing it in the minors and i I say henry davis just because i feel like every other highlight i see is a home run um Mm -hmm. but what what are we doing here like are, are we still waiting for june uh, i mean i already know the answer that's really a hypothetical question or a rhetorical question because i know the answer it, it that's a yes because the pirates are very unserious and it's a shame because you got off such a, such a hard, hard a hot start i asked you before the show happened how what was like most above 500 we were it was eight games at 12 or 20 and 12 and now they're three games above 500 which is still good but the fact that you've lost 12 games out of your last 15 and you got off to such a hot start. It is, it's it's so annoying to watch them just piss it away and do absolutely nothing to try to fix it. That's the annoying part as a fan is like they were basically playing with house money and they show now that they were playing with house money because they weren't going to do a damn thing to try to fix this whenever it, so they started sinking the ship.
1: Yeah, if you told me that they were going to be 23 and 20, 43 games in, I sign up for that every time with the way that the expectations were for this season. But when you watch the way that it's played out and, yeah, them showing the unwillingness to take a look at the roster, take a hard look at the roster and see, man, this thing from a lineup standpoint, like just offensively falls off a cliff after your number five hitter on most nights. If, if if we're not facing a lefty and Castro is not in the lineup, it's really after your five hitter that this lineup falls off a cliff. And if Castro is mm-hmm. playing and hitting sixth or whatever, then, okay, you got g Bay hitting seventh who like, okay, maybe he's going to slap some singles and bunt for base hits every now and then he's not providing much at the plate. And then, yeah, you got the likes of Chris Owings and hedges hitting after him like they had today. It's, it's, you got a black hole at the bottom of your lineup and you got what I believe, or at least could potentially be, we really don't know until they get here, potential solutions waiting down in the minors and them just having an unwillingness to see if those guys could provide some type of spark.
0: Um, Over the last 15 days, by the way, you don't have a guy batting higher than 265.
1: Oof. And what about on base percentage within that time On frame? base
0: percentage? K- Kutch is still a, has a, a 359 on base percentage over the last he 15 does. days. I also okay. I don't know if that's including today's stats. Okay. But I'm I'm on MLB.com. Yeah. Um but cutch is also the one with the 265 battering average over the last 15 days, which is essentially the whole month. Um mm-hmm. but yeah, I mean you when it comes <clears> to guys <throat> that are above 300 in on base percentage, you're looking at cutch at 359, Rodolfo Castro at 321. Um Jack Sawinski at 310 which there's such a his his batting average is over double his his or is less than double his on-base percentage. It is 147 batting average and 310 on-base percentage which I guess is better than nothing but I mean ji Bay 278 on-base percentage um to Brian Hayes 286
1: T. Brian, I I can't figure it out. He hits the ball so hard. He's the king of atom balls. Mm-hmm. He hits Even the ball. Brian so Reynolds hard. is struggling
0: yeah. a lot too. Two fifty five. Yeah. On he did percentage. have
1: he did have two hits today? So I'm not again. Yeah. I'm not sure if that includes that, but Hopefully, I don't know. hopefully today was a sign of.
0: And then Santana three hundred eight over his yeah. last uh thirteen games, but it, it you're just looking up and down this lineup over the last essentially month or 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 during the month of May. And you can see a steep drop off from where they were in the month of April. And it's not just like one or two players. It is everybody all at once, the entire team and not just hitting. We're talking about defense too. We're talking about pitching and in the starters and the bullpen, it is top to bottom. This team just drove in a car and fell off a cliff from where they were. And the team in terms of management, is doing nothing about it, which is the most frustrating part, because I can watch losing baseball. I've done it my entire life. But to see a team win as much as they did in April, fall off the cliff that they did, and now the team can potentially drag themselves out of it, but it doesn't seem like management is caring. Well, that's what Pirate fans have been complaining about for years, that you you just don't truly care about this team. That's the problem that Pirates fans have with the organization. And... It would be nice to – they threw us a bone extending some people, but after the Shelton hire – or after a Shelton extension, they haven't done anything to show that we should still have faith in the team. And that's the most annoying part. And I guarantee that someone's going to be called up in June that should have been called up right now.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I I just want to take that extension talk and parlay that. And to talk about Mitch Keller, who logically would be the next guy to extend if you were going to anybody, that price tag probably continues to increase with every pitch that the guy throws uh, yeah. nationally player of the week with the two starts that he had. Um, he's just been fantastic this season, probably one of the on that short list right now for NL Cy Young. I think, you know, if all star, if the all star game was tomorrow, him and Bednar are probably the Pirates representatives. Um He's just been fantastic, and it, it's great to see, like, what a – this this has been the long game for him, really watching his career slow play here in Pittsburgh, and we've seen him go through everything, all the trials and tribulations that he has to get to this point. There were you know points where we said, shouldn't be a starter, he goes to the bullpen. That actually did happen just last year. He went to the bullpen for a brief period of time. There were points where we didn't want him on the roster anymore, ready to throw him away. Just the inconsistency, and we were like – Remember, like at one point, we were like, oh, best case scenario, he ends up being like a number three or four, like best case yeah. scenario. And look at him now. Uh, so, obviously, just awesome to see. I would be very curious what an extension looks like, but it's not my money. I am 100% on board with extending this guy. I actually think a decent comp for that extension could be uh, Logan Webb of the Giants, who got five years, 90 million on his extension. I mean, sign me up for that every day of the week. In terms of a Mitch Keller extension, uh, he deserves it. Again, everything that he's you know gone through within this organization, just kept his head down, kept working to get to this point, and he's finally arrived. Like I don't think that there's any really questioning anymore. Like this is legit. What's he what
0: he's doing? Five and one this season as a starter. He's pitched in nine games, two thirty eight uh, ERA, which is lowest of his career by far. I feel like the lack
1: of walks is honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. the lack of walks he's only walked 14 guys in nine starts um and in those nine starts he's averaging over seven and a half uh strikeouts per game he has 69 strikeouts nice nice in nine starts um he, he's put it all together not only is he, he just developed a, a fourth pitch but he he's putting it all together in carrying this starting staff this is the Mitch Keller that we talked about when we were doing the show. Five years ago, that we were wanting to see when he gets to the big leagues, mm-hmm. which is crazy to think about. And and it's right, you're right. For several years, we really harped on Mitch Keller a lot, and honestly, deservingly so. At the time, he was not showing a yeah, lot of. Problems. Yeah,
1: I, I don't think that we were wrong in doing so. It's just a yeah. credit to him to take no, yeah. himself
0: out of that. I I think I think that it's it's really good for him to to get himself out of that. It's really impressive. To just kind of keep working at your craft and to see what the, he's got today. Was it in the athletic or which I don't know? Maybe it was MLB or ESPN. He he was number four in NL Cy Young like rankings. Yeah, I saw that yeah. of, of like mm-hmm. of a current players, which just just speaks to how well he's performing this year, and he has been one of the pleasant things during this month of May. Um, whenever it's a, been a bunch of bad for the, for this team you have mitch keller and his starts that have been really good i mean he had a complete game he had the one the one game just a, a couple of days ago where he had 13 or was it 14 strikeouts 13 strikeouts uh, i i forget which one it was 13. 13 i mean this guy has been giving in quality starts every single time he goes out on the mound it's been a joy to see honestly and yeah we talked about who is next it is mitch keller I, I think that you've you've covered your bases. You got somebody from the infield. You got somebody from the outfield. Now you need to get somebody in the pitching staff, and that that guy in the pitching staff is Mitch Keller. I think he's he's shown that he deserves it. And like you said, that that number is just going to go up with every pitch he throws, assuming he he stays the same. So this is something that the Pirates are probably going to want to jump on sooner rather than later if they're going to want to be able to extend him. Because otherwise, I feel like we might get into a situation where we're not going to extend him because he's going to price himself out of Pittsburgh and he's going to play out his tenure and then be traded eventually. But I think the Pirates should jump on it. He's been a really good good starter this year, a really pleasant surprise. And like you said, we said this guy was going to be a ideally a really good number three, and he's the clear cut number one in Pittsburgh right now. And yeah. it, it's it's been awesome to watch him pitch this year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, they had him at number four. That was MLB.com, by the way. I was just looking at it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think you look at the type of season that, like Spencer Strider's having, Zach Gallen. Those guys are all kind of in the mix. I can't take away from them, them just to give to Mitch. But he definitely belongs within that for sure. So it's just been awesome to see that growth and just hope it continues. And, yeah, you would absolutely love to see an extension get done. Um, Imagine a Cy Young. I, <laughs> before, yeah, before getting him extended. Good luck. Do you think it is but it's like, treated
0: like the MVP where it only gonna, is going to go to a player on a good team? No, no, I don't think so. No, because MVP is pretty much, even though it's, it's, it's an unwritten role that's like, you could be the best player, but if you're on a team, that sucks. We're not giving it to you.
1: I don't think so. I mean, I want to see,
0: let me see. That's just my thought. The only he, exception to that rule is Mike Trout. I feel like, <laughs> or o- 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 Otani. Yeah, yeah,
1: same team. Um, no, I mean like Sandy Alcantara won last year in the NL. Yeah. So
0: that'd be yeah, crazy. Trevor Bauer won it when he was with Cincinnati. You bet. You better get. <laughs> you better get the extension in now before that happens. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, looking at some of these names,
1: like even like Dylan Cease finished second last year. Probably should have won it in the A. Although Verlander was stupid too, but Chicago wasn't good. Dylan Cease finished second, so yeah, I don't think that there's that precedent with that. But
0: uh, I mean, how all much right, more control does he have, Mitch Keller? I'm looking. Okay, he has two more arb after this one. What's the time now? Is buy, the time. The, buy those out do it give him a five-year extension
1: i think you muted your mic or something right now right there
0: i did can you hear me uh
1: no i I can't hear you but tyler's gonna figure that out and we're gonna take a uh, quick break and come back and talk about one thing that we have in regards to the pittsburgh penguins uh but we'll be right back to do that you guys might not like this topic you're, actually, I'm going to go on record right now saying this. You're going to hate it as much as the Kenny Pickett, Caleb Williams situation that I brought up. But we'll be right back. This is Around the 4 2 Am I back? All right. And welcome back to Around the 4 2 I'm Smitty. That is Tyler. I still can't hear Tyler. Maybe it's something she- with me. That's possible as well, I guess. Am I
0: back? Did, did you turn? If If I can hear myself on the show, did you turn off your volume or what happened? I, I'm unmuting myself. I did all sorts of things. There we, there we go. I can hear you. Oh, so was it you or was it me?
1: Don't know. And uh, the listeners can let us know, but
0: that was a great moment. <laughs>
1: and, um,
0: <laughs> this is a quality show that you guys listen to. <laughs>
1: Well, actually, I will I think it was me. I think it was me. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think it was me because when I played okay, so they're gonna hear me saying, Can you hear me? Yeah, they'll hear it. <laughs> and I'm actually probably gonna clip it for something. But right. uh, anyways, I said we had one thing to talk about as it pertains to the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, and that's Jake Gensel. And I don't know that a lot of people are talking about this, but people might not realize he only has next season on his contract left. So As we sit here right now, what is your thought on the status of Jake Denzel? Is he somebody that you are looking to lock up long-term? Is he somebody that you would be looking to use as a trade piece? Would you use him as your own rental and just let him play out next season and let him walk? Uh, I think it's an interesting conversation just because like I had this conversation with Danny Shirey not that long ago, and the thing is, we know that Jake can put the puck in the back of the net. You even look at last year, what you would consider a down year. He scored 35 goals. Granted, it seemed like double digit of those were empty netters, but nonetheless, he finds a way to put the puck in the back of the net. However, his five on five offense has diminished the last three, each of the last three seasons. And same thing could be said about his defense. So where are we at with Jake Denzel as we stand here today? Because obviously he could go out and light it up. In it, next season which we hope happens and change this conversation and we're like yeah let's throw him you know between seven and eight million dollars a season but as we sit here right now where are you at
0: okay so you threw out a couple scenarios I'll address the one that I'm not with at all and that's just letting him play out and walk I, I don't think it's smart to just get no value out of these players if you are going to move on from them I think you should at least try to, to move him if that's what they intend on doing um it's tough though because Jay Kensel has been such a vital piece to this offense, this team for several years now. I mean, it just seems like yesterday that he was making his debut in the fall of 2016. Um, I think it was November 2nd, by the way. Yeah, just just wait. I was at the game. Carl Haglin was, yeah. was on the Carl Haglin was on the cover of the the ice. What, what are those things called? The books they give you. Ice time. Ice time. Yeah, Carl Haglin was on the cover. It was the fall issue. Um, but but anyway, I I just think it's a tough thing to look at because we this was brought up what two off seasons ago or something like that. Would you trade Jake Gensel for uh Kachuk? And I mean, at the time, everybody was like, heck no. But now looking back at it is like, yeah, I would do that <laughs> if I <laughs> yeah. if I could. Be um, Jake
1: Gensel plus plus like, yeah,
0: yeah. But I I, I think it's tough because you look at a couple things. You look at the window of contention. I think it's easy to say that Jake Gensel is Crosby's best ever line mate um, that that he's had. He's the, he's the best line mate that Crosby's played with. And for how much longer you have Sid, are you going to want to touch that? Um, Are you going to want to affect that? Now, Sid has two more years left on his deal. You would assume that he's going to extend at least another two to three years after that deal is up. At least that's what I would think happens, but I guess that's up to Sid. He might not be playing too much longer. But also, Jake Gensel, when you look at whether you want to give him a contract or not, he is going to be, by the time that contract would kick in, 30 years old. And we've been giving a lot of players, around that 30-year-old mark, a lot of long-term contracts. As the oldest... We opened up the season as the oldest. I don't think we finished the season as the oldest team in the league. But we opened up the season as the oldest team in the league I don't think that it could be a smart idea to just continue to stay old. I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea to entertain the uh, the, the thought of trading Gensel. Now, I don't think that you're going to give him away for nothing, obviously. like If Jake Gensel is a play type of player, you're going to want to get a really good package for if you do intend moving on from him. But I'm open to the idea depending on the package. And part of that is because I look back at that conversation we had a few years ago. And a lot of people were having on penguins, Twitter and everything about Matthew Kachuk and looking at what people said then it's like, well, if we could do that over, I'm, I'm making the trade, but it's, I just think it's a really tough spot because what if Sid signs another extension, are you really going to want to take away his best winger? That's that's the, the the another hard part about it. If you're going to want to stay in contention, I feel like Sid is going to be the one to say I want him around more than anybody else. And I don't know how. Obviously, Sid's a professional, but trading away his the best winger he's ever had that might not sit well with him either. And so it, it could be smart for the future of the franchise just because it would make you a little little older. And as you're saying, the analytics show that he is diminishing at these these 5 on 5 uh metrics but who knows he could have a great season this year and, and score 40 plus goals again it's it, and he did lead the season lead, lead the team in goals this year too yeah 36 right. i think um but it, i just think it's a really there's a lot of variables into it it's not a simple yes or no there, there's there's different ways you could look at this
1: yeah and and another reason that's tough is just like it it maybe this is stupid and you can't get like attached to these guys, but he's a homegrown guy, a third round pick that turned into more than you would ever think a third round pick would turn into for this team. And it's just, it'd be tough for him to, you know, for me to see him not finish his career in Pittsburgh, like whether he seems like the type of guy that you thought would play out his entire career in one place or not. Just like, I I don't know.
0: We did, by the way, what? Because we we had this conversation on this podcast in 2019, I believe, because we were asked a question, who out of these three players do oh, you yeah. think will play their entire career in Pittsburgh? And it was Jake Kensel, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Josh Bell. And the other two have already left.
1: Yeah, well, we knew it wasn't going to be Josh Bell. <laughs> And wide receivers with the Steelers, the way they turn it over. So I feel like it was almost just by default, it was Gensel was the answer. But yeah, that's true. I do remember that now that you're saying it. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know that I would consider that necessarily a variable, but it's something that I think about. I don't know that the team does, especially when it's not like, you know, the people that drafted him or anything like that. But, you know, it is always cool for sure. A homegrown guy, yeah, to you know be able to play his entire career in one place, and I'm sure he Plus thinks after about that
0: too. like after the this core is gone, like we know that their years are limited. There's got to be some leadership left on the team, and yeah. I feel like Gensel would be one of those guys that would be a leftover from from this regime that that could be leadership in the post Crosby Malkin Latang era. Um, but it's it's really tough to to think about, and. Yeah. I think honestly, and this is going to sound dumb because it's, it's kind of like a non-answer. Like I would have to see the package that you, you'd get offered for Gensel. If it's enticing enough, I'd entertain it. But it the extension part is tough because of the age and the diminishing diminishing play as you get older. It's eventually yeah. you're going to want to get younger. Here's the, and, and here's the thing hard. too:
1: not that they would. Co- he's not going to get at the amount that Brian Ross did. Like it's gonna be more than that. You would definitely think.
0: I mean, he's making um, more than that now. Yeah, and since so, he signed that contract, he had multiple. I think he had multiple forty goal seasons, and then he's he's led the team in yeah. goals for sit past several seasons. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's gonna go down. The
1: only the only reason I said that is because if you were going to like you mentioned about not wanting to continue to give out contracts to guys in that thirty year old range, I would give Gensel a deal around the thirty year old range before doing giving that to rust and they already gave it to rust so if right. i could take that off of him and give it again so i would probably do that but again there's going to be a dollar figure difference there in terms of yeah, life, mean, i don't know that there will be but the dollar figure. no sure.
0: i mean another six-year deal when he signed like when he starts that contract because his birthday is october 6th i just looked at it so i, I don't know if i'm okay. going off my memory from my short-term memory but when in that new contract would kick in he would be thirty years old, so he'd be playing until he's thirty six on it if it was a six year deal. So yeah, well, I it's mean, not it's, Ron Hextall giving out deals anymore either. So maybe they won't be six years. But if you're Gensel, are you saying no to anything less than that? Because I, I there's not. I feel like at that point in your career, he's got to figure like you're around the time where this is your last big payday, and you better cash in.
1: He also might only want to sign until.
0: Sid and those guys are gone that's true I guess it it could depend on what again that's just another variable a city that that I just brought up right
1: there yeah
0: yeah I don't know I don't know what's going to happen with it I'd entertain the idea though I don't think it's out as outlandish as it sounds and mainly because I think back to what could have been not that it was ever going to actually going to happen but like because of that discussion about Matthew Kachuk
1: Right. Sorry. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I think it's interesting. I think that you kind of need to like whoever gets brought in as the GM, they're going to have to kind of look at all avenues with this team where they're at right now because it's kind of, yeah, they're like in a really weird place as a franchise when you look at how good their core was still playing, but how old they're getting they're probably pretty close to having to at least go into a retool, if not a rebuild. (laughs) Like it's.
0: Yeah. And if you're the GM, you're coming into a, a ownership group that is like, we're competing right now. We have, we have Sid, we have Malkin. Like, I feel like it's clear that FSG is wanting to continue to try to win right now. But when you look at as a GM, I feel like any sane GM would look at this team and see that, the the prospects are not there. There's not a lot of future with this team. I have to start to fix this, but at the same time, my ownership group is telling me I have to win right now. You can't really do both at the same time. If you do, you're one of the smartest GMs in the world.
1: Yeah, Eric he's going to have a heck of a job in front of him.
0: <laughs> oh, wait, 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 we'll we, this is the Kyle Dubis ship sailed? Yeah. Yeah
1: i brought up last week that it might have anyway because if they were looking for two people to be at gm and a president of hockey ops two different roles based off rumors that we had heard that would rule him out anyway but his yeah. comments after the se- their season ended which by the way lol um <laughs> then and that made it pretty clear he wasn't going somewhere else
0: yeah now i literally just don't care who wins the cup <laughs>
1: I, yeah, I mean, I was rooting for Seattle over Dallas. I don't mind Dallas. Um, I like Ottinger. I like Sagan. I like Jason Robertson, Ropey Hintz. I like some of their players, but um, I'm rooting, I guess, for them versus Carolina for the final.
0: Yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I agree. Um, it, I just, like, I, I really don't care at this point because the team that I was rooting for was Seattle, like you. Mm-hmm. But now I don't really have. And I was surprised to be able one. to root
1: for Seattle as long as we were able to <laughs> with that first round yeah. matchup with the Avs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, no, that's true. Um, But out of out of the final four that we have with the the Canes, Panthers, Stars, and Vegas, mm-hmm. there's not really one that I look at and I'm like, I really don't want you to win. Which yeah. I think is refreshing. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, the least. I don't know what it is. I, I, I'm not. I don't like Vegas that much. Like, I mean, I don't hate them as much as, like, teams in the division or some other teams around the league. I just they, – they, to me, are easily the team that I would least like to see out of the four left. And I don't know what it is about them. I literally, like – I'm, I'm admitting right now that I don't have a good answer for you and, and why I don't like them. <laughs> but
0: I, – I don't have a – really – I don't have anything against Vegas. Um, I mean, maybe it's just bec- – is it because they – have been good since their inception.
1: I mean, but I was rooting for Seattle. Yeah, who, I, two, yeah but yeah.
0: yeah, but Vegas has sustained it for longer. <laughs> Seattle's yeah, they, in year too,
1: four four times in the elite, like in the semifinals. Mm-hmm. I say semifinals because, like, in the bubble and stuff, it was weird because they were playing Montreal. Yeah, in the round before the Cup, but that's insane. Four out of six seasons they've been around. But that's not—I didn't even know that until just recently. I still didn't like them, so I don't know what it is. You know what? They—it's maybe it's of the Vegas they, gold. And it gives it's because you of how they treated Flurry.
0: Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not okay. really. I also wasn't thinking about that, but
0: yeah, no, I'm—I'm I'm sure people agree with you. I—I'd probably be hoping for a Stars Kane series like you are. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, I will play this short clip one more time as the show ends, but I want to mention again, as Tyler did at the beginning, to like us and follow us everywhere that you possibly like can. Like us, whether please.
0: Not a lot of people do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Very true. <laughs> Both online and offline. Please like us. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, follow us on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, at around the 412. We've been trying to post more on all that stuff. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're watching or listening. Leave us a five-star review. If you are on YouTube right now, along with hitting that subscribe button, hit that notification bell. Hit that like, leave a comment down below. Do all that stuff on any platform that you can. Check out the links in the description. Uh, Everything Custom Designs, our friend Haley Wagner's shop, you can check that out. She has some stuff that's like already in the shop, but she also does, obviously, in the name, custom apparel for anything that you are looking for. Also, the couple of GoFundMes that we got in there. Check those out. Uh, until next week, for Smitty, for Tyler, this has been Around the 412, and we'll see you then. Hopefully, we got a lot more Pirates wins coming this week. Bye-bye.